And Lord, thank you once again for bringing us here tonight. God, some of us have come weary, Lord, weary from the battles of the week. Some of us are just weary physically. We've had a long week already, even though it's only halfway. Some of us, we've been weary from the spiritual warfare. And some of us, we've been weary for a long time because of trials. And, and because, Lord, God, you, you've been, uh, been there for us, but the world and everything been pressing down. But God, thank you so much that you are here tonight and already we feel your spirit. Already as we're worshiping and exalting you, God, that as the song said, Lord, you are the great I am and, and you take care of us. And no matter what the enemy, what the demons may do, God, they're going to tremble when you're around, God. We just want to be close to your heart because you are our rock, our salvation. Jesus, you are Lord. So, God, we ask tonight that you would speak to us as was prayed already, that you would bring our hearts to a right place in you, God. And so we want to trust in you, and we want to put our faith in you, God, that you are changing us. So speak tonight. Anoint this time with your spirit. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just over 86 years ago, on March 18th, 1937, a tragic event happened. Just before school was let out in a little town of New London, it's called in Texas, a natural gas leak had developed and accumulated in the basement of a school. A spark from one of the classrooms somehow ignited the gas and the blast that resulted from that raised the building off its foundation. Well, you can imagine, sadly, around 300 students and teachers perished that day. So because of that tragedy, companies are now required to add an odorant called methanol to natural gas to make it stink. Because natural gas is, is odorless, but it's very flammable. So for what happened that day, for safety reasons, now with the odorant, the natural gas can be smelled. So if there's a leak, you can detect that. And the gas leaks are uncovered because of that smell, and people can be alerted to the danger. I thought that was interesting, because as we return to our study here in the book of Acts, you remember Stephen has been addressing the Jewish religious leaders in his defense before the Sanhedrin court. And as we saw last week, Stephen has been exposing how their rejection of Jesus are exactly what their forefathers did, of whom they're so proud of, and they're just following in the same way. So when we, as we get to this next section, Stephen now gets straight to uncovering. He talks straight to them, and he's uncovering this, this stink, so to speak. So they might be alerted to the spiritual danger that they're in, that they're facing now, and that is to perish in their sins. So we have come tonight to part two of uncovering what's been covering. So that's our title from last week. We did part one, as I mentioned. Now we come to part two, uncovering what's been covered. They've been covering their sins. They've been covering uh, things thinking that they're okay, but it's not. And through Stephen's defense, it's been all been uh, being uncovered. Now tonight we're going to pick up 
Uh, we ended in verse 50. So tonight we're going to pick up um, at verse 51 and finish this chapter down to verse 60. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 7 from 51 through 60. Now, remember our overall outline. I gave this to you last week, but I'll give it to you again. And last week, we covered the first two headings, the first two things we saw. And number one, we saw the history of rejection. And that was from verse 1 through 43. And then we saw the history of ritualism, which was verse 44 through 50. Tonight, we're going to go on to three and four. Number three is the history of resisting. That's going to be verse 51 through 54. And then number four, the last heading is, and the last point, the history is repeating, verses 55 through 60. They're just going to follow what their forefather is and repeat what they did. Because at the end of this chapter, Stephen is going to be stoned and he's going to go to heaven. So let, let me just back up a bit and let me just kind of get back into the flow of things. Let's look at, just real quick, the first part, the history of re- rejection, which is verses 1 through 43. Now, remember Stephen, he was one of the seven men that was chosen in the last chapter to help in the administration and ministry of the apostles so the 12 apostles could go on and study and teaching the Word. So here's Stephen, one of those guys who was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, remember, he started preaching and teaching also uh, to the Hellenist Jews, the Greek Jews. And those guys, the, the elders of those synagogues, they didn't like what he was saying. So Stephen was basically falsely accused and arrested. And we saw that in uh, uh, the last chapter. And then he now stands at this hearing before the Sanhedrin, which is that 71 member of the high court of Israel at that time, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the high priests, the elders of all the synagogues and the elders of the nation underneath the main guy. So here he is, he's standing there and he's speaking in defense. They gave him an opportunity to speak in his defense against the accusations against him. And you remember the accusations were basically, oh, he's blaspheming God, he's blaspheming uh, he's, he's saying blasphemy against Moses, uh, blasphemy against the law, the law of Moses, and blasphemy against the temple. So that was the main accusations against him. Because why? He's preaching Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the fulfillment of the law and that how to be saved through Jesus. So remember, they're, they're in their Judaism. They're in their rituals and laws and everything. But here's Stephen. He'd been preaching about Jesus. So... Well, as he stands there in his defense, we saw in verses 1 through 43, he goes through this history of Israel, and really it's a history of rejection. He starts out how Israel really started with Abraham, and they love that. Remember, these guys are into their history because their whole salvation is based in their race. So as their identity with God, as people of God, they like to recite their history. So Stephen meets them where they're at. And they love this. So they're, you know, here's Stephen talking about, hey, you know, Abraham, and this is what happened. They're like, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 we're with you. So he's really showing that, look, I'm one of you guys. I'm a Jewish guy too, and, and I honor God too. Um, I, I understand history. I understand our history and what God did. So it's, so it's like he's, he's you know, defending 
against what they're saying. Well, you're blaspheming God. You're really against God. He's like, no, no, let, 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 let's talk about our history. I'm a part of we're, we're in this. I'm a Jew too. So he goes through the history of Israel, starting from Abraham, and they love that. Then you remember he talks about Joseph. But mainly he went into how Joseph was rejected by his brothers, right? He ended up uh, being sold into Egypt. But then he, he became second to Pharaoh. We know the story. And God used Joseph to save a nation. So here's Stephen kind of putting out that, hey, you know, Joseph was rejected by his brothers, but, you know, he was actually the one who saved the nation. Sort of starting to show, look, this was Jesus. He was rejected, but he's here to save the nation. He went on to talk about Moses. Moses rises up, and, and at first he was rejected by the people. But God used Moses, the rejected one, to end up leading the people of Israel out of bondage of Egypt. Now, you think about that. Isn't that Jesus, right? Jesus was rejected, but through Jesus, we can be let out of bondage of our own sin and flesh. And also, in the wilderness, uh, Stephen talks about how the, the law of Moses was given. Remember the Ten Commandments and the tablets. I'm reading about that now in my own devotion. And, but they rejected God and all of that, disobedient to the law, also, remember, he talked about the golden calf. They made an idol and started worshiping that idol when Moses was up on the mountain receiving the word of God. And so here's Stephen kind of showing that, look, there's a history of rejection here. Uh, it, it, showing them, look, and you're proud, you're so proud of your history of your forefathers, your fathers, your ancestors, and you follow along that. But he's like, think about this. They rejected God in many ways. And he's bringing in how these guys, like their fathers, are rejecting Jesus. So that's a history of rejection, kind of in a nutshell, we saw last week in verses 1 through 43. Then we saw this history of ritualism. Now, that's when Stephen talks about the tabernacle that was built. The temple was built. Now remember, uh, the Jewish religious leaders were falsely accusing him of blasphemy against God, against Moses, against the law, and against the temple itself. So Stephen starts to talk about that. But he brings in the fact of what King Solomon said, and we saw this in verse 48, that Solomon said, but God, you don't dwell, right, in a building made by hands. That's, God isn't confined to a building. And then he also quotes Isaiah in verse 49 where Isaiah says the Lord saying heaven is my throne the earth is my footstool what kind of house will you build for me says the Lord or what is the place of my rest so in other words God is the creator he's the Lord God he's not like some you know idol or God of the pagan countries that they live in this house no this he's the creator God yet what the Jewish religious leaders were doing in lifting the temple up so much, they were restricting God to that location, to that spot, that building, and wrapping in with that is all their rituals and customs that they've developed through the years and added to what the law said. And that really, in a sense, became their idol. In a sense, they boxed God in right in that temple, and so uh, they're accusing Stephen of blasphemy against the temple. But Stephen says, oh, look, you know what? It's not about the temple. It's about God, you know. We worship God, not the temple. And so they box God into their ritualism and lost this relationship with 
the Creator God. So here's Stephen, like saying, "Hey, you know, you say you're following your forefathers. You're, you're so proud of your history and the temple, the Moses Law, uh, Moses, everything, but actually, he's bringing out you guys were the ones who are should be accused of blasphemy." So here's Stephen now. He's uncovering, yeah, what they've covered, what, what, what needs to be uncovered. And that's how now we get to number three in our outline, the history of resisting. The history of resisting. So he's bringing in the rejection. He brought in the rejection, but now he's kind of turning it toward uh, the his, Really, he's, his target is the next thing is they've been resisting God this whole time. Not just rejecting God, but also resisting God. So look at verse 51 now. It reads here, Stephen is speaking here. You stiff-necked people, sir, uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets verse 52 did your fathers not persecute and they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered you verse 53 who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it so Stephen now brings it all to this now he says look you guys you guys are stiff necked people you're the stiff-necked ones you're the ones who have been resisting god all along and really he's coming to christ right jesus coming to this earth now reading this it's like whoa he's pretty bold here yeah i mean remember he's facing the the high makamaka guys he's he's facing the officials of the nation of israel they're the top dogs. They're the leaders. They have the position. And he's standing. Can you imagine how intimidating it is? You know, 71-member court. He's in court. He's at this hearing. He's, he, he's, he's here. They're looking at him. They're all staring at him. How intimidating that could be. But in the boldness of the Holy Spirit, he comes to this place in his defense, in this message, and he says it straight, you stiff-necked people. He has to say this. You know why? Because they are all in this spiritually dangerous spot. Stiff-necked, you know what that means? Stubborn. It means resisting. It means, we would say, hard head. Yeah? That's what these, these guys are. Just like their ancestors. The, the stubbornness in them. They're resisting. And, P, and um, Stephen says it here. He says that um, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. So they were resisting the Spirit of God. And he's saying, look, that makes you no different than your forefathers, whom you're so proud of. You guys are just like them. You're following in, in, in their way. You're following this history of resisting. And he also says to them here in verse 51, uncircumcised in heart and ears. Now, they prided themselves, the Jews, of being the circumcised people. And remember way back with Abraham, it was really a mark 
to say that you're God's people. You belong to God, that you follow God. And so the Jews are very proud of that. But here Stephen's saying, look, you're really uncircumcised of heart and ears. Like you don't hear God. You're not following God. Your heart is not for God. You may be physically circumcised, but your heart is hard. Your ears are deaf to God. The outside was supposed to reflect what's in the inside, but that's not what's going on. There's only the outside shell. So they had come down on Stephen for going against God, but they were actually the ones in the wrong. They were just going along with the history of resisting, just as, and he says here in verse 51, as your fathers did, so do you. As they did, as their history was resisting God, so you guys are doing the same thing. Matter of fact, he says in verse 52, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? There's a history of the prophets of God being persecuted, killed, and especially those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one. Now, the righteous one is the Messiah. So many of these prophets who were prophesying, predicting the coming of the Messiah, they were the ones that were actually rejected and they resisted, the fathers resisted their message and put them to death. We think about Jeremiah. We think about Isaiah or Amos. These prophets were the people went against, where even the kings would go against and elders would go against in that way. So they, they know what happened. So Stephen's like uncovering like, hey, don't bury this history, you know. Don't bury this. See, the people were rejecting and resisting their message and look, look what the fathers did. You who, verse 53, received the law as delivered by angels. That angels refers to godly men who faithfully brought God's message you, you meaning you Jews and your fathers, you received this message, the law, the word of God you, by these godly men. You didn't keep it. You didn't follow it. You disobeyed it. So these Old Testament pro- prophets were killed. And just like he's saying, you guys did with Jesus Christ. So he's bringing it into this, this main uh, uh, point to really, you know, show them they're wrong and where they're at. That, look, killing Jesus. And that, right, they're all party to uh, uh, manipulate things so the Roman government could end up putting Jesus on a cross. They're the ones who arrested Jesus in the middle of the night that started that whole road for him to end up on the cross. They were just like their fathers in resisting God's messengers and the message. This echoes Jesus, like in Luke eleven forty seven. Jesus says, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. I think Stephen just, you know, he drank in everything what Jesus said uh, that he learned from the apostles. And, and it all clicked in his mind, like, wow, these guys are doing the same thing. Now, even after Jesus had died, rose again, ascended, now with the message, they're doing the same thing. And they're going to do the same thing as we'll see with Stephen. God used Stephen now, or he's using Stephen, I should say, to try and open their eyes to their stubborn hearts. That's, what, that's the idea there. He's, he's, he's saying, look, you're just doing the same thing as your forefathers. 
Which is interesting here, right? When, when the Jewish leaders gave Stephen the chance to defend himself, what do you say to these things we saw last week, right? Here's Stephen in his defense, or his message, I should say, his preaching, the tables are now turned. The defendant turns in to the prosecution, right? But let me say this. Even though I've read this so many times, so many years, all these years I've read through the Bible, and coming across this, it's like, you stiff-necked people. Even when, when, when Stephen says that, you know, I, I think in my own fleshly sense, it's like, yeah, see, you guys, you guys, yeah, you, you're stubborn, you know, kind of like that. But as I study this more and I see what's going to happen after and how Stephen's attitude is and what's going to happen after, I think, first of all, we have to see that God is reaching out to these people. God is reaching out to these Jewish religious leaders. And think about this. It's before the gospel is going to start moving out from Jerusalem, right? Remember I was talking about Stephen's transition because when he gets stoned and dies, persecution is going to break out. But it pushes believers out of Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, like Jesus said in Acts 1.8. So I, it's like God is like giving. Uh, 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 this is the chance for God to give these guys opportunity to really hear the gospel, to be confronted with their sin, to, to have uncovered what they've covered. And they've kind of like swept under the rug. Yeah, I don't like that part of history, but I like this part kind of thing. And they were proud about that. So uh, here's God, first of all, reaching out to these Jews. And it's straight talk. It is. You stiff-necked people. You stubborn ones. You're, you're, you guys have been a hard head. But I think it was out of love also. Because we're going to see some his attitude later in the next section. To me, I believe Stephen spoke with a tone of compassion, with a tone of ache in his heart, like like God does, like God who who loves us so much. But when we're lost in our sin, He's reaching out. He'll be straight. But as Paul said in Ephesians, I think God has that balance of speaking the truth in love. So. You know, for years I thought, oh, yeah, you stiff-necked people, you you losers, you guys. Can't you see what you're doing? What's the matter? What's wrong with you? Right? I don't think it was like that. I think when he said, you stiff-necked people, it's like, guys, you you stiff-necked people. Can't you see? You're you're uncircumcised in your heart and, and in your ears. You're always like resisting the Holy Spirit, just like the fathers did. So, so do you. It's like his heart's like, guys, can't you see? God, this isn't it. God, God wants you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to love you. That's why Jesus came. Can't you see what you're doing in rejecting Jesus? You're rejecting God's love. So I, I think it was more like that attitude. And, and we're going to see why I'll, I'll bring that out in the next section. But Stephen's heart was to bring the Jewish leaders face to face in a loving way, in a compassionate way, with their history of resisting in the stubbornness against the Holy Spirit. It's this pleading. It's, it's this, oh, come on, you guys. Oh, you know, like Jesus said, if you only would have known when he wept over Jerusalem, who is here? 
you only would have known. And he was weeping as looking over Jerusalem and, uh, before he made that triumphal entry. That's Stephen here. But these guys had that hard heart. They had their will. They were stubborn. But here's Stephen. You guys, look. He's trying to uncover their history of resisting. I was thinking how us parents, yeah, uh, you parents know the term strong-willed child, right? They don't listen. They don't listen. They're disobedient. And they're determined to just do what they want to do, right? No, they want to do their will, their strong will. I was thinking, that's what these guys were like, these religious leaders. They, they, were, they were like, <laughs> the tree just fell. Um, <laughs> but it's okay, no one got hurt. Um, <laughs> they, they were like the religious leaders, these religious leaders. They, they were like children, yeah? Strong will. I don't... No, no, I'm going to do what I want. I, if you don't say what, if, what I want, or you don't say what I'm, my opinion is, then f- forget you, right? Just like little children. But listen, you and I can act like that too, right? God tries to speak to us. And God tries to, to show us. He comes in maybe on a song on the radio or you hear a sermon on the radio or, or on, online or you're sitting in church and God's really trying to reach you. And you know, yeah, whatever. And it goes out. And we just listen to what we want to hear. It was like these guys. Oh, they love the history of Abraham. Oh, yeah, and then Jacob. Yeah, Isaac, Jacob, you know. And then now Joseph. But then, <laughs> then Stephen starts to uncover this dark part. Oh, hey, whoa, wait, right? Oh, no, yeah. Maybe some of them checked out at that moment. So Stephen masterfully, well, let's go on to Moses. Oh, they're listening again. Yeah, Moses, yeah, Moses. He was, he's the greatest prophet. Yeah, he's, he was a Jew too. We're from, you know, he was part of our race to save people. But then he talks about how the people themselves reject, right? You can see how Stephen masterfully was, was trying to uncover what they had covered, and what they had been covering in their own heart. But we do the same. Do, are we strong-willed against God too? Why is that? You know what? I was thinking about that. It's because of our pride, right? Our own pride. We don't want to be told that we're wrong. We don't want to be told that, oh, what? Me? No. We're so proud that we think we're okay. We don't like anybody telling us that we're doing wrong. Maybe it's some insecurity. Maybe we're just protecting our, 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 our little heart inside. We really think we're like this. But, but we put this proud uh, uh, mask on. We're like, no, we're, we got it together. But actually we don't. And someone touches that. We're, we don't want anyone to know that. It's our pride. Could be even our self-focus. Where everything is about me. I mean, these guys, remember, they are about their position. The money, the wealth that they had, the, the power they had. They're, they're all into that just like right, many of our political leaders sadly today. But think about that. Sometimes we're so self-focused. The world revolves around me. It's all about me. Some of us are just plain stubborn. <laughs> we're just stubborn. No matter if someone wants ask you to do something. No, I'm not going to do it. I got to make that decision. It's like um, our cats. <laughs> cats are so weird. It's kind of like, well, come here, I'll pet you. No, 
I'm going to make the decision. So you kind of ignore them. Then they come because they want to be the one who make the decision, right? I mean, sometimes we're just so stubborn in our self-will. But we may be that to our family, to the world out there, our work. But you know what's sad is we're like that to God himself. That these tendencies we have overflow to our relationship with God. So don't let that quote-unquote strong will, your will, fight against God's will. Because he's only trying to save you, right? Think about these guys. Think of Stephen's heart here. He's not coming there to condemn them and put them down. You're wrong. You know, I'm happy you're going to hell. I'm happy that you don't have Jesus. I have Jesus. He's not coming that way like he's better than them. He's not like coming in revenge or retaliation. No, he's trying to bring Jesus to them so they would see because they're blind. They've been covering everything. He wants to uncover. Look, the truth of what we see in the history of our people, they messed up. And the only way to heaven is through the atonement and the real atonement of Christ. That's what he's doing. He wants to save. He wants to save. So, sadly, they have this history of resisting. I was reading about this was from a, a Reader's Digest, but uh, they were reporting on this account during some, this severe storm, uh, a, a big snow ice storm. This bridge had collapsed, but cars just kept driving and driving. They're plunging into the icy river below. One man's seeing what's going on. He got out of his car and he stood on the road trying to wave everyone down, trying to stop others from going over but car after car kept going they didn't see him he would shout the bridge is out the bridge is out stop the bridge is out but no one stopped finally he took off his jacket you know it was cold and snowing he stood in the middle of the road now and and he's like hey stop stop he refused to to move but waving his jacket around a car pulled up and this angry driver rolled down his window shouted what do you think you're doing in weather like this And he said, the bridge is out. Well, that driver, seeing that and realizing what was going on, turned his car sideways to block the other cars. And so both of them were able to uh, stop others from that sudden destruction, this account said. We got to be listening. We got to be aware. God's trying to get to us and not be angry at God's messengers especially this if you have a tendency to be stubborn to be strong-willed to do what you like to then you're in danger you you better watch out listen for god's voice through the messengers that he sends you if you have a history of resisting be careful because you may very well be resisting god and being angry at god All right, uncovering what's been covered. We saw last week the history of rejection, the history of ritualism. We see here the history of resisting. And now our last section, number four, is the history is repeated. Sadly, the history is repeated. Here we're going to finish off this chapter from verse 54 through 60. Verse 54, let's start with that. Now, 
When they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. So here's Stephen. He confronts them, right? He gets to the nitty gritty that you guys, you've been stubborn, right? And again, remember his heart. He's, he's trying to reach them. God, through him, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to reach them. But these guys, when they heard their, his words, they were enraged and ground their teeth at them. That means that they were seething mad, you know, kind of thing, like, like gritting their teeth. That, that's the uh, idea. Now, I, I really think this. This is me. I think that Stephen actually wasn't finished. I, I really feel like he, if they gave him chance, he would have gone on to, to bring in Jesus, bring in the prophecies of the Messiah, bring in how Jesus fulfilled Isaiah 53, how God sent this Messiah to die for our sins, even though our fathers, even though we ourselves have been rejecting God and, and this history of rejection and we've been into our ritualism and really pushing God aside, putting him in that box and resisting him all this time, God still sent Jesus that we can be saved. I really think he would have gone on, but these guys interrupted. I, I, I really think that that would have been gone on, but they, they might have nod their head about the history of Abraham, Moses, and stuff. When, when Stephen said this, oh, it touched their pride. It touched their, their selfishness. It touched that strong will. They prided themselves, right, on being obedient to the law. They prided themselves in their rituals of worship to God. So they couldn't humble themselves. And rather than humbling themselves, they flared up in this rage of anger. So then look at verse 55. But he, that's Stephen, full of the Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Now think of the contrast. I believe Luke is giving us some contrast here. In verse 54, the, the Pharisees, the, the leaders, they're, they're seething. They're, they're red with anger, right? But here's Stephen. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was calm. He was at peace. The Jews lost control. Stephen was under the control of the Holy Spirit. Note. I want you to take note. When we face situations like this, the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit will help you. When you face situation, if you can tap into the power and the strength and empowerment of the Spirit, you can be calm. You can be peaceful, even if well, the person in front of you is just raging. Now think about this contrast. The Jews, the religious leaders here, they saw what? Red, right? In contrast, Stephen saw the glory of God. Amazing, yeah? Stephen saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. It's, it's like God pulled back the curtain at that moment for Stephen, for him to see the Lord Jesus, his Savior, to be able to find strength in that, to be able to see, whoa, whoa. Note this, Stephen here, he got the privilege to be the first person 
Paul saw Jesus in his glorified state. John did. We see in the book of Revelation. But he was the first one to see Jesus in the ascended, glorified state after Jesus' ascension. Isn't that cool? That was Stephen in the middle of all this. And then notice it says here in verse 55 that he saw the glory of God and Jesus what? Standing at the right hand of God. Now, there, there are so many scriptures like Ephesians 1.20 that say Christ is seated at the right hand of God, seated in that seat of power. The right hand of God means he's in that, that position of power and sovereignty and king. But here he's standing. Isn't that interesting? Well, most commentators and pastors say, you know why he's standing? He's standing for Stephen. He's standing because Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's about to be martyred and killed and stoned. So Jesus is standing because here's Stephen being bold and courageous to say what God and the Holy Spirit wants him to say and reaching to these guys knowing that he's going to face his death. And Jesus is standing to welcome Stephen home to heaven. Most pastors, commentators see that in this place where always in the scriptures, when it talks about Christ next to, uh, at the right hand of God, he's seated, but here he's standing. And I like to think this, that perhaps God opens the curtain, shows Stephen this glimpse of heaven so he can verbally say, oh, I see Jesus. I see God's glory. I see heaven. And there's Jesus standing at the right hand of God. You know why? Because remember, Stephen is the first martyr to die for Jesus Christ here in the early church. And perhaps Stephen vocally telling, describing what he sees. And, and that's going to be heard and that's going to be shared because God wants to show that God honors those who stand for him and God will receive those and welcome those who die for him. I think this, this was the plan. I think this is why God rolled that uh, curtain so he can see it. I think about what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man, also will acknowledge before the angels of God. And so I think here's Jesus standing, acknowledging Stephen here. And he gets to, before he dies, verbally say this to encourage everyone else who's going to die for him later. So you see this contrast going on? Isn't this interesting? The Jews are full of anger. Stephen's full of the Holy Spirit. The Jews are, are they saw hate in him. They saw we got to get him. Stephen saw, you know, Jesus and the love of Jesus for him. I was thinking about, here's Jesus standing, welcoming him. I think, I think Stephen's like, oh, what? Jesus standing for me? What? He's welcoming me? Oh, I bet you he was just flooded with the love of God. That didn't matter. No matter what's going to happen, he knew he was loved by God. You know, when you can only see hate from other other the other person hold on to that thought jesus loves you though and that's what really matters all right so verse 57 
But they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and rushed together at him. They is the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish religious leaders. Then verse 58, they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So can you imagine? So, so here's Stephen. He said, whoa, he saw the glory of God, Jesus standing right ahead of him, God. And then he vocally Behold, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man, which is the Messiah from the book of Daniel, standing at the right hand of God. They heard that. They saw that, heard that description, which I think was for the believers. But for them, it it just, you know, was the straw that broke the camel's back. It tipped them over now. And so they cried with a loud voice. They're like, ah! They're like yelling. They're like shouting. And in a symbol, they don't want to hear anymore. They're stopping their ears. They're putting their hands over their ears. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 not going to hear anymore, right? And in their Jewish religious way, they're like, no, nah, no. Nah. They rushed him. They grabbed him. They dragged him out of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, and they dragged him out and... In the same sad tradition of their fathers, the Jews rejected another of God's messengers and he was stoned to death. Isn't it sad how these proper high makamaka court officials could lay aside any proper etiquette and turned into a murderous mob here? That's what the flesh does, right? Thomas Boston said, the natural man's affections are wretchedly misplaced he is a spiritual monster it's so true so easy for any of us to get on our flesh to get emotionally charged and our anger to snap we snap and we turn into this raging monster so careful guys let not your anger those emotion your hate your unforgiveness turn into this monster just because someone spoke truth to you just because someone was maybe touching your pride, just because maybe your selfishness was exposed, watch out. And so Stephen was stoned to death, we see here in verse 58. Killed for sharing the truth in Jesus. And look who was party to it. In verse 58, the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Saul was like, watching their their coats and stuff. He was really a a part of this. If you take a peek of chapter 8, verse 1, it says, And Saul approved of his, Stephen's, execution. He took party of this. He, He wanted this too, right? And so here's Saul. And who's Saul? Paul, the Apostle Paul, that we're going to see more in the next chapter. I believe this impacted Paul's heart. I believe it's going to come up later, and we'll talk about that too as we get into the next chapter. So they're stoning. They stoned him, and others, they killed them. But as we get to verse 59, as they're, they're stoning Stephen, it says, and as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You know, I think that's amazing. As the stones are hitting Stephen's body, as the stones are hitting his, can you imagine his head and he's knocked in his face? He talks. Who would do that? Who would talk? 
Yeah? Maybe we cry out in pain. He talks. Who would do that? I mean, I, I would, if you were being stoned, what would you do? I'd cover my head. I'd get in a little tiny ball, right? Protect, you know, my, my stomach and my head and everything. You know, it's like, um, what was that nuclear thing? <laughs> drop, yeah, co- drop cover and whatever, duck or duck cover, yeah, right? Like it's going to help you. But that's what I would do if I was being stoned. But he doesn't do that. You know what? He's still standing. He's, he's still seeing Jesus standing. And so he's still standing. And he calls out, Lord. He knows he's dying. He knows he's going to die. Lord, receive my spirit. And that's the same thing Jesus did right on the cross. Luke 23, 46. Father, receive my spirit. No. Just note something. I was talking to someone just yesterday. Um, and, uh, but no, it, he was, he was um, having conversation with Jehovah's Witness. But like the Jehovah's Witness say, oh, you know, when we die, we're going to like soul sleep, basically. Until Jesus returns, then he's going to revive us. So we're kind of waiting for Jesus to return. But look, he said, receive my spirit. Stephen was going to heaven right away. Stephen was going to be with Jesus right away. Stephen expected to be with Jesus right when his life ended on earth. Well, here's another contrast. The Jews are killing Stephen, but Stephen is going to go into eternal life. He's going to really live. Yeah. Verse 60. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Fell asleep meaning he died. So he's dying here. The, the stones are piling. They're, they're pummeling him. He's dying. And, and his, as he's falling to his knees, as he's dying, his very last breath is what? To pray for his executioners. To ask that God would forgive them. Isn't that crazy? This is like Jesus on the cross when he was dying, right? And, and he had to push himself up to, to say things from the cross. And, and the first thing he said was, Father, forgive them, right? For they know not what they do. They don't realize what they're doing. And we talked about how excruciating the cross is and, and, you know, all that pain. And you can imagine Stephen and all that pain. He's dying. The stones are hitting vital parts, his head and everything. And, you know, I just, I'm in all of this. I mean, I would be focusing on my pain and my suffering. Facing death, I mean, that's scary for all of us. But God gave him that vision. He knew where he was going. And so Stephen's very last words were words of what? Forgiveness. Think about this. Basically, Stephen was praying for their salvation. I think that's crazy. Not retaliation. God, give them back what they're doing to me. Yeah? I mean, that's our natural tendency, right? God, you, I'm going to die. They're killing me. You better give Bring justice upon them. So do you understand why? These words, why I believe earlier in verse 51, when he said, you stiff-necked people, it was out of compassion. He was trying to reach them. It was the Holy Spirit through him trying to reach these religious leaders to be saved. 
And so even in his very last breath, he's basically praying for their salvation. Oh my gosh, I, I'm moved by this. I don't know about you guys. It wasn't about his pain, the stones hitting his head, cracking his skull. It wasn't about this unjust trial, right? It wasn't about, you're taking away my rights. It wasn't about that. This is unfair, murdering me, hating me. It wasn't about that. Stephen's focus was razor sharp on the, their need for salvation, for their souls. His heart was that, I know where I'm going. You may stone me and kill me. I'm going to heaven. I see it. The door's open. Jesus is waiting. But you guys aren't going to go there without Christ. That's what he was praying for. His eternal destiny was secured. It was heaven. Theirs wasn't for heaven. They're heading to hell. They're facing hell. What a contrast, yeah, of these Jewish religious leaders. They're their rage, their anger, their hatefulness against Stephen and now stoning them and making an excuse of blasphemy so they had the right to stone because he blasphemed God and Moses and the law and the temple. But in reality, Stephen's like, no, you guys have. You're following your fathers here. What a contrast. They were all hate. The Stephen was all love. Sadly, their reaction, though, shows history is repeated, right? It's just being repeated. In Second Chronicles 24, uh, this prophet Zechariah brought a message from God to the people saying, you guys have transgressed the commandments of the Lord. You're wondering what's going on. Why is our nation like this? You know why? Because... You, you haven't followed God. You haven't obeyed them. And so since you've forsaken God, God is forsaking you. That was his message. It was a message to say, hey, repent, you guys. You guys, let's get back to God and, and God will bless. But the people didn't like that. They conspired against him. And from the command of the king, believing all that, Zechariah, you know what, was stoned to death. And guess what? Right in the court of the temple. So sad. They felt justified, right? These guys felt justified. But in reality, they were blind to their own sin and blind to God reaching out to them. How many times has history repeated in our life? History repeated itself. We do the same thing over and over. We resist God. We reject God. Perhaps you look at your family. You're doing the same thing your dad did. You the same thing your mom did. Your family history. But you know what? God wants to break that change. chain. Jesus wants to break that chain. And it's through him. Salvation in him. Jesus is here right now. Speaking to all of us. Jesus is here showing us. God is showing us the reality of even things we do. Of what these guys did. And go to the extreme that they kill the messenger they push the messenger out they silence the messenger some people do that by i'm not talking to you no more yeah you're dead to me but god is right here saying don't reject my love don't resist the holy spirit here jesus is here right now reaching out You know, if you're at 
that place, you need to give your life to Christ. And you need to heed that call because the Spirit is speaking and God wants you. Humble yourself. Don't fight with your strong will that you always had. Humble yourself. Lay down yourself. Lay down your pride and go to the cross and receive Jesus. And you know, as we close, I think you and I, we need to follow Stephen in this sense. The grace that Stephen had. His heart for those who are lost. His, his heart for those who are lost in hate and anger. Sometimes we, we don't like it. They say things, do things that, oh yeah, that get us going, right? But the reality is maybe they're in a bondage too. And they need to be free in Jesus. It's hard, but through the Holy Spirit, remember Stephen was over and over said, full of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, you and I, we can rise above those personal attacks. We can rise above the injustice. We can rise above those things that are like arrows hurting our heart, the words or the accusations that's not real, right? I mean, if someone says something about us, they accuse us, we're like, no, I can't believe you said that, what? Yeah, and we get all into our own rage. But we can rise above that through the Holy Spirit to see the lostness of our attack our attackers, to see the bondage of what our attackers are in. To have the Holy Spirit, the strength of God to endure, to have the heart of God to pray even in the worst moments for that person. This is an example for us. Stephen is. I'll close with this. A person in in a crowd was um, mocking the street preacher. He was out preaching and everything. And this person mocking him saying, why didn't God do something for Stephen when they were stoning him? Kind of like, that's so dumb. Like putting God down, putting down the story, you know, of all this. Why, Why didn't God do something for him? The preacher wisely replied, God did do something for Stephen. He gave him the grace to forgive his murders and to pray for them. What a great answer. What a great answer. And so it is for us. We see here the Jews, their sinful heart was exposed, but we also, don't we see the heart of Stephen was exposed too? Yeah. As God spoke truth through him in uncovering what's been covered let's pray god i think that as we see stephen's response here even being stoned even against the rage and the unjust actions of of the religious leaders here god lord we see a man full of the spirit and it really describes what that means what it means to be filled of the spirit and full of the spirit And God, with that, it uncovers, Lord, maybe what we've covered. Maybe we pride ourselves of, yeah, we have the Spirit because of this and this, because I speak in tongues. Because, oh, I I felt the Spirit when I prayed or or when I worship 
Oh, I'm full of the Spirit. Yeah, because I had this and, and joy and we had this. Yeah. But then we cover up and allow perhaps emotions of anger and bringing in our own justice, retaliation, God. But Lord, you're uncovering something here. You're exposing that. Wow, that, that's not right. To coddle our flesh or to allow that part of us of, well, I have the right. They wronged me. Yeah, there's a lot of wrong that's done, but we're still called to give grace and forgive. To, to have compassion on the attacker for their salvation. To, to be concerned for the bondage that they're in. God, I, I, it's hard for me too. God, for all of us. But what an example Stephen is. So, God, I pray that what's been uncovered in our own hearts, that we've been purposely covering, that you would help us to deal with them, to grow from this place, to bring it to you, to be transformed, to be freed from that, the bondage of that thing, God, to find forgiveness and grace from you, and that we can, through your Spirit, rise up and be changed and not be that way anymore. Lord, here we are, bearing our lives before you. We don't want to be like this. We don't want that to be so important that we hold on, but we want to give it all because you're the most important person in our life, God. It's you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray you give us a, a vision of you, Jesus. Just as Stephen saw you in all your glory, God, we want to see you in all your glory. Show us your glory, as Moses said. God, we, we want to love you more and see you. See you more in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.